is my request. You don't have to play it, but I hope you'll do your best. I've been listening to your show on the radio, and you seem like a friend to me. Party to hop off for 8 o'clock at the Greater 3UZ Sammy Show for Friday night. Okay, the time is 22 before 9, 12.72 SM with Ian McRae in the morning. For AP and Kevin Hillier, Sunday morning, out for a couple of showers later today, and a top of 25. Well, it's 27 past 12 right now, this is Laurie Bennett at 2SM. At 24 to 8 with Peter Grayson, town at the moment 17 degrees. Howdy, hi, Victoria. Stand the man. Hello. Well, hi and welcome once again to Pilots of the Airwaves. It is our 40 minutes or so where we get to speak to the people behind the voices who were friends to a whole generation. And today's guest was the man for all formats. Whether it was Top 40, beautiful music, mellow music, country music, or coordinating the greyhounds from Olympic Park, George Danes mastered them all with most of these... On the Greater 3 UZ 930. Hey, George Danes, welcome to Pilots and thanks for joining us. Thank you very much, Paul. Now, George, unlike many of our previous guests, you went straight out of school and into the radio studio. You spent some time at Paran Tech in Melbourne working on an engineering apprenticeship. Now, was that your passion at the time and ultimately going to be your profession, or was there one ear firmly tuned onto the radio? Um, Well, my parents were the old-fashioned type. You've got to have a a trade behind you. You know, it's no good going out into the venture into the wide world of action and adventure uh but you've got to have something so i finished my apprenticeship but um i was always always wanting to go into radio while i was doing my apprenticeship i finished it then i went to lee murray's and uh, i was i was probably one of the lucky ones because i was only there for one year and uh, straight into my first job i was absolutely amazed uh, i had to drop some money because um when you're a fully qualified fitter and turner you're earning a bit of dough and you're living at home then off you go to uh, uh, across the water to 7BU Burnie and uh, I had to drop a lot of money, And but I was lucky because we were sharing a, a, a unit with some very famous people, Paul. We had uh, Jeff Sunderland, uh, Laurie Miller, who is Joe Miller these days, and uh, we had that unit there at uh, Burnie and that's how I, uh, I, I sort of uh, weathered the storm. Yeah, that's one of the great aspects of those country appointments, uh, being the camaraderie between the young jocks. And those times in the flats at Crescent Court in Burnie must have been a very special time. Well, it was. It was in, even in the... That's where I left um, to travel to the, the next uh, location. But uh, it was a, it was very good. And the people who owned the uh, units uh, were very, very good to us. So we, we had a, a very, uh, you know... Everything was just moving along very well for people who worked at 7BU. Okay, so tell us about life behind the microphone at that very first appointment at 7BU. Oh, well, you had to do the uh, the funeral announcements and you had the, the gongs. You had to go bang, 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 gong, gong, gong. And then you say it is with deep regret that we announce 
that the funeral of so-and-so will be taking part at uh, uh, the Church of Christ in uh, Wilmot Street. <laughs> and uh, then at the end you say, and then you finish with the gong going, boom, 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 and that was it. That was the funeral announcement. We also had um, uh, a classical half hour where you had to play classical music for half an hour. Uh, big band music for half an hour on a Sunday afternoon and uh, the church services on Sunday morning. Uh, Burn uh, seven you used to broadcast from a different church every Sunday and you would have to the you'd have to log in on the on the uh, transmitter, turn it on, hear the noise of the congregation and then the uh, priest or minister would hear you, crossover for the start of the service and uh, and then at the end our job was to go around to the church uh, pack up all the gear for the tech to take to the next church for the next Sunday oh yeah it was an interesting little thing <laughs> it was an interesting place to work I, I just uh, I enjoyed it 100% now 3TR in Gippsland was your next move when once again you work with a guy by the name of Joe Miller did you both move across together or did one pave the way for the other no Joe moved over uh Possibly uh, Christmas time, and I moved over around about March. Sixty-eight, time just runs away. <laughs> yeah, and um, yes, we moved over there. Uh, I actually, he put me up, put me up for the first uh, week I was there. So uh, yeah, so it was sort of old times uh, revisited. <laughs> and he was a he was a smarter. He was one of the smartest disc jockeys I've ever worked with. He's uh, he's uh, musical knowledge and his, uh, you know, the way he operated. Uh, so he, he, was, he was a very creative man, very creative. But uh, seven, uh, 3TR, I learned a lot of things. And also uh, when I was at 3TR, one of the, the famous uh, disc jockeys, Rick Melbourne, got his first job there when I was there. And he uh, he, he was a, a type of guy that he knew would never settle down. <laughs> so he was, he was, a, he was a, a wild man. It, compared to us sedate announcers at the time. <laughs> so what was the difference in format between 7BU and 3TR? Was there a great difference in what 3TR were offering? Yeah, they, um, well, when we got there, we were sort of, we'd play, we'd have a playlist of 100. And uh, in the latter part of my time there, um, we had, we shortened the, the playlist right down. It was uh, Keith McGowan who came from 6PR in Perth, and he wanted to come to Mel uh, come back to the country in Victoria, and his wife had a, a uh, his parent his wife's parents were living close to Sale, where 3TR was, and uh, he took over the whole programming, and just, we were playing 100, 100 uh, items per week, and then we got shunted down to 30. <laughs> so, so it was, a, it was, if you didn't think that was, uh, that was my first taste of uh, high voltage radio. So, George, it was back to Tassie and 7HO, which I would think provided you with the first real experience of coordinating races in your shift. Yeah, I was, um, well, I went back there and I was doing the night shift till about one o'clock. We, I'd work uh, till 1 a.m. each morning. Um, and then, uh, Got a position, or they went into uh, twelve to four, which incorporated the races. And that's where I started uh, learning about races. But I had, we had a lot of help there. We had uh, Ray James, who was the sporting editor, and he was uh, sort of showing me how to do the business. So it, it was wasn't uh, 
jumping off in the deep end there. But uh, I learned about races. So your first Capital City gig came when you got the job at 3AK in the early 70s, but not that anyone would have realised because it was John Stone who actually hit the airwaves. Why the name change? Uh, I don't know why the, the name changed, but uh, um, the uh, our program director uh, thought that it would be better if I, I was called uh, uh, John Stone. And uh, so I did that right up until the time we uh, changed format and went to um, Beautiful Music. Rhett uh, Walker was the program director and he had a lovely format, but uh, he was apparently persuaded by management from Channel 9 to uh, change format and go to beautiful music, which uh, I was lucky enough to be part of. And uh, I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed beautiful music. And uh, maybe John Burgess was doing The Breakfast at the time. So he, he uh, at a couple of times, he would not turn up for breakfast and I'd be on midnight to dawn. I'd start at uh, 12 and uh, I'd ring up and f- try to find out where he is, couldn't find him. So I'd stay on air till nine o'clock that morning. So, <laughs> so it was, but once you once you pass your six o'clock at six a.m., you sort of get a, a second wind and you can you can build along. But anyway, John left and uh, I took over the the breakfasts uh, at three uh, AK, and it was so intricate. We had so many things happening in between the beautiful music. It was uh, it was just one of those. Uh, new experiences for me. So were you part of the Wrinkley's campaign and that uh, real challenge to take on 3XY at the time? I, when I got there, the Wrinkley's uh, format, uh, they took that they took that off and they just called it 3AK. We didn't, we didn't uh, use the word Wrinkley where no Wrinkley's fly. But uh, yeah, that was sort of, we had a, we had what they call a, uh, you know, a great rivalry between 3XY and 3AK. It was a. It was just a friendly rivalry. Yeah, there's no. There's no animosity. If you saw someone in the streets and from uh, from 3XY to be hello, how are you? Boom, boom. How do you go? <laughs> but uh, it was all right. It was a. We. I think we. We had a pretty good format, and uh, but uh, beautiful music beckoned. Now, George, you obviously work with some exceptional people at 3AK, but uh, you've been quoted as saying that you owe a fair bit to a guy called Mike Nichols. I, I do, I do, because he was uh, there between, uh, he was doing the night shift, night, and uh, I'd come in, and a couple of times, uh, I had no idea, but I came from uh, 7HO, and uh, our format was very nice and loose, but he's, he showed me how to tighten up everything, how to present, how to say what you have to say, and uh, say it the way that you know that people would understand. And he, he was he was one of the he was one of those guys who helped me. He was a sort of real mentor mentor for a, a novice in uh, Melbourne radio. Yeah, he was good. So interesting times at AK, but also Three UZ was coming out of their golden era of the sixties and seventies. But in the mid-70s when you joined, it still boasted the likes of Grant Goldman, Bill Gates, John Vertigan, Alan Lappin, and of course George Danes, juggling the greyhounds from Olympic Park in the evenings. So was there still that 3UZ magic around the famous 45 Burke Street at the time? Oh yes, it was. It was, um, it was like, uh, you know, we, you, you treasured your time there. I, 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 even though I went to different places after, I, I still remember that place like it was... Uh, the holy grail of radio. It was just wonderful. It was just everything about it. They had uh, they had people helping you 
uh, everything was formatted beautifully. Bill Gates was uh, program director, and uh, he knew exactly how to how to uh, sort of become. He knew how to to inter interwine into a a format which had to have races as well, and it sounded pretty good. So, George, do you think that that 7HO experience of race coordination was part of the reason that you landed the job at 3UZ? Uh, no, because I went to uh, 3AK before then, and uh, I wanted to go to 3UZ, and uh, I just applied. I went in one afternoon with an old tape from uh, 7HO when I was at AK, and uh, I was getting a bit tired of getting up in the morning and... Uh, and uh, beautiful music. I mean, beautiful music's beautiful, <laughs> by the way, but sometimes it can turn ugly. <laughs> and uh, I took my tape up to Bill Gates at uh, 45 Burke Street. I handed him the tape. I said, oh, this is a format, uh, a tape I taped in uh, 7-inch because the format at 3AK would, would have, they would have wondered what Mantovani would be wanting to, <laughs> Mantovani and all the other guys. But uh, so I gave him the tape and uh, got uh, got a call and they said, uh, would you be interested in coming here? And I said, yes, <laughs> I just dropped everything. <laughs> so I took I, I took off and went to 3UZ and did Midnight to Dawn. And it was just great because of, uh, coming up after me at the time was uh, Alan Lappert. The great Alan Lappin, he used to do the breakfast when I first got there, and he was a real card. They used to have this uh, show called a Radio Talk, and he used to talk to people for the first uh, one hour. But it was good. Uh, I learned a lot from Lapp Lapp. He was uh, the the relaxed. He was so relaxed and so easygoing. Uh, it was pretty hard for me to even think about being like that. But uh, he, he taught me a few things. The next move was slightly up the dial from 3UZ to 3KZ. Now, what phase of their evolution was KZ at? Was it the time of the much-promoted Rick Melbourne, Ted Bull, Robert Hicks defection from 3DB? No, I was there. I, I was there when they moved into a format called Mellow Music. It's so Mellow music was possibly uh, my favourite music on radio of all time. I, I, I still remember that, and uh, I still remember the, the format. And it was just uh, it was just great music. It was everybody loved it, but uh, apparently uh, the ratings weren't up to scratch, and uh, so uh, they were going. They were in the process of moving away from uh, mellow music, and that's when uh, Bill Gates called me from three years in and he said, you want to come back? And I said, yeah, I'll come back. <laughs> so I went back to three years in. Now, George, just before we shoot back to Burke Street, I believe you showed your versatility on air by teaming up with a young lady by the name of Denise Drysdale at 3KZ. Yeah, I remember that over Christmas we did the off-season type thing. And uh, yeah, Denise Drysdale was great. She was a she yeah uh, she she was a she ruled me with an iron bar <laughs> i couldn't i couldn't i couldn't do anything that she didn't want to do <laughs> in fact uh, when um when they took some photos of the of us she would reject them immediately and say they're not good enough and that used to upset the, the management to no end 
uh, yeah, that was a, it was a, it was a good time. I, I, I nearly, for some reason, I, that was, you just reminded me about that, Paul. I, I, it's crazy, <laughs> but it was a good format. Yeah. So George, it was also a time at KZ when the captain and the major ruled the AFL broadcasting. Now, did you have much contact with Ian Major and the great Captain Blood, Jack Dyer? Well, Captain Blood uh, is my favourite uh, man of all time. I, he's a superstar in my because I've been I grew up uh, on the corner of my first school was on the corner of Hunt um, Road and that was Yarra Park State School, which Yarra Park had housed the MCG and the Richmond Football Ground. I used to go down to the after school and watch the training as a five-year-old. And nobody, yet nobody would have allowed a five-year-old to walk around <laughs> these days anywhere, but I used to go down. I used to live in Richmond. And uh, Captain Blood was uh, my hero. <laughs> so he was, a, he was a good player. I used to talk to him about um, about uh, the past Richmond players, and he was quite amazed that I had a, a knowledge of the past Richmond players. But, uh, no, he was terrific. And uh, Ian Major, who was program director at KZ, he was, uh, he was, he was pretty good too. He was a good player. As you said before, back to 3UZ, where the emphasis was firmly focused on personality radio with Bert Newton, Ugly Dave Gray, Bob Rogers, and a couple of young bucks in Sean Cosgrove and Gene Fisk. So how different was the UZ that you left compared to the station you returned to? Oh, well, um, Bert Newton was uh, ruling the roost there, and uh, you just sort of fitted into place. Everything just it was just a great station. I, 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 I was doing... Um, the evening seven till ten, but uh, and with all the races, the trots and the the greyhounds. But three uh, years country was there as well in the after seven o'clock. Yeah. So George, there seemed to be a number of changes of format, etc. Around about that time, was the station still trying to find a new identity or find its niche in the market? Oh, I don't know whether it was trying to find its niche. It just it just evolved. Uh, you know, the management just tried different things. Um, uh, they had they had the personality radio, and then uh, later on, uh, well, they laid, they sold the station to ENT, which was the uh, the Tasmanian company from uh, Northern Tasmania, you know, the uh, Examiner, and uh, the man who owned Seven EX and Seven HT in Hobart. So uh, yeah, they they just sort of evolved. But before that, we had uh, well, the management was still three years ahead. We had the uh, uh, 3KZ927, which was uh, a copy of uh, 3KZ's music format, but we changed it around a bit. Uh, Peter Rudder was the program director for that short time. He was only there a short time, but uh, it, I, I learned something more there. I I, I never knew uh, how to, what do you call it, straight-jacketed format. So I learned to be uh, part of that straight-jacketed format for a little while. So that was another experience you, you pick up. You've seen all the changes, the fads and the faces. Well, nothing ever stays the same in this city. I like to hear your point of view about changes to me and you. Change to CA, what a change with the music you play, what a change to CA, what a change you make to my day. 
Okay, back to Hobart to 7HT and then on to 2CA. So how was life for George Danes in the nation's capital? I've been the luckiest radio announcer in the world, I reckon. I, I just don't think that I've uh, I've worked anywhere where I didn't like. I, I just I just loved it. When I went to Canberra at 2CA, um, they, had, they started their... Uh, that was the job that uh, Greg Smith gave me. I rang him up when I was at HT and I said, uh, have you got a job going in Canberra? So uh, he said, yes, I can get you into 2CA. So I said, okay. So I just packed up. We went to, uh, packed up the family, off we went, drove up in the old in the old Mitsubishi. And I was a bit worried whether we'd get there or not, but we got there. We stayed there for, uh, oh, just under a year, just under a year. It was, uh, it was a good format, the uh, light and easy format, just suited me, suited me. So yeah, I was, as I said, Paul, I, I was probably the luckiest announcer in the world. <laughs> Everything went well. <laughs> Relax. Now, George, after so many years on commercial radio, you land the job with Auntie on the FM band on the Gold Coast of all places, reacquainted with a couple of old colleagues from the past, including Joe Miller and the great Bill Gates. Uh, well, Bill, it, what I, I always call Bill Gates the man who um, extended my radio career because I was getting on a bit. I was, <laughs> I'm still getting on a bit, but uh, he, was, he gave me an opportunity. He rang me in Canberra and said, uh, Don Lunn, was one of the famous Don Lowe was doing the breakfast at that when that station opened, uh, 91.7. And uh, he said, Don's leaving and we have to get a replacement. Would you like a job? And I said, oh, my first reaction was because uh, I was so happy with Canberra. I loved living there. Um, I said, oh, I don't think so. And then I went home, spoke to my wife, Barbara. And she said, yes, grab it. Ring up and say, okay, let's go up there. Let's go up to the sunshine. So we... Um, I rang him up and uh, went up to the sunshine. It was one of the, but the thing was that one of the most agonizing to, to join the ABC was one of the most agonizing uh, processes. You have to have, uh, you don't know if you've got the job, till you've, till you've got the job, you have to have a uh, radio conference with three people and they ask, you know, ask you all these questions and you're wondering, why am I doing this? <laughs> why, why is this so hard? And uh, so, then I, I, I said, I didn't think I was going to get the job, the way things were going, you know, because you'd ramble on the phone uh, to these three people interviewing, and they probably said, what a what an idiot this guy is. We don't want him. But uh, next thing you know, I got the job. I was uh, over the top. It was absolutely ecstatic. Now, coming out of commercial radio to the ABC, were there any major adjustments to be made or were the format and the protocols basically what you expected? Uh, no, no, it was, it was what uh, I you know, the, the uh, word of mouth, what was going on there was uh, exciting and uh, very innovating. I, I loved it. And uh, as soon as I got there, it was just, um, he said, do you want to do the breakfast? I said, yes, yeah, so do the breakfast. No, there's no uh, commercials. You just let the music roll. And one of Bill Gates' great uh, sayings was, I wrote it down, Paul, because it was, uh, he said, when you're playing music, it's always safety in numbers. Just keep the music going. <laughs> and if it's good music, people will stay there. Absolutely. Hey, listen, speaking of Bill Gates, where does Bill sit in the list of influential radio people in, let's say, the second half of the 20th century? Well, I thought, you know, with his experience, I, I just read all about, you know, I visit him 
from time to time. He lives on the Gold Coast, where I am. And uh, he shows me all these wonderful uh, things that he's done over the years. He worked for the BBC. He came back to Australia and worked for um, three years then. But before that, of course, he was a big-time man in uh, in Brisbane, where he uh, started the, the Bee Gees. And uh, he, he used to have the music cops uh, in Brisbane, with many, many people attending. And uh, he, he he had, his career was just wonderful. His knowledge of music, I would sometimes go up to him and say, oh, this is a song that uh, we should, maybe we should be playing, you know. And then he'd say, oh, I'll have a look, listen to it. And he listened to it and he came back. He said, I don't think it'll suit us at all. I said, okay, you're a boss. <laughs> okay, a couple of quick questions. Who hit the ball better around the Albert Park golf course, you or Grant Goldman? Um, Grant Goldman. <laughs> but but he used to hit it into the water, so maybe I, I might have had a, a, a little extra on top of that. <laughs> okay, we'll give golf to Grant. What was he like to work with? Oh, he was a wonderful guy. I, I, I was uh, sad to see him leave us, but uh, he was always one of the most effervescent people you could ever want to ever want to work with he was a great guy terrific and and i actually got um i got one of his the cartridges he had was a a rooster that he used to use so i when the everything for uh, formatted out i i acquired that particular cartridge now george it's been said to me that when choosing your dream team for a trivia night george danes would be the number one draft pick true or false Oh, no, I think maybe I'd be the, uh, I'd probably be just a, a little bit further down, about number 10. <laughs> I don't think I'd be number one draft pick. But uh, I'd, I'm just a utility player, as they say, in uh, AFL footy. I can, uh, I'll be there when, the, you know, when I'm needed. Finally, George, there's a famous class photo of the 1979 3UZ schoolboy team, all dressed up in primary school uniforms, with you, John Steed, Steve Murphy and Bert Newton, all sitting cross-legged in the front row. Do you remember who came up with the idea and how well was it embraced by the team at the time? Oh, it was just one of those things. I, I just, uh, we, we were told we were going to do it, so we all turned up. <laughs> so... And, uh, you know, there it is. The photo is about to be taken. Sit down. We're going to take the photo. And that's the way it was. That's, I, I, I've, still, I've got a copy of it myself. We, uh, whoever came up with it, I don't know who it was. It might have been Bob Cornish, I think. But uh, it was, uh, it, we were just told to get in the school uniform and get down there. I look at that photo and I always wonder where, that, where I got those, where I got the outfit. I don't know. Okay, George, we've got a set of questions we ask all our guests, with the first one being, where were you when you heard that John Lennon had died? I was at 3 years old. I was, I, was, I was a pretty big fan of, um, of uh, the Beatles, but, but uh, you know, I was, uh, it, was, it was a sad, sad day for all Beatles fans. There's no doubt about it. Last concert ticket you paid for, George? Uh, I went to Jesus Christ Superstar. That's about the only concert I actually went to. <laughs> <laughs> that was in Hobart <laughs> when I was there. I I combat a lot of uh, combat a lot of shows, but uh, I never had to pay for any tickets. I was very lucky. <laughs> Jesus Christ, superstar! Now I haven't had that one before. Hey, listen, the concert that you regret never seeing. 
Oh, I, I, I enjoy country music sometimes, and I wish I could have seen a concert in Las Vegas of a country music star, but that's about all. Just a, just a Las Vegas country music festival type show I would have loved to have seen. George, is there a word that you had most trouble pronouncing on air? Oh, I've got uh, meridian, municipal. Some people said municipal. I, you're supposed to say uh, municipal. Lee Murray taught me, if you're going to say something, try to say it that it doesn't squeeze out. So don't say either. Say either. <laughs> it comes out smoothly. <laughs> but all these, yeah, that, that uh, meridian. I couldn't say meridian for a long time. Now, was there ever an incident on air that had you thinking you might get those Don't Come Monday orders? Oh, yeah. Well, I did get a... I, I, I went in on a Monday when uh, 3 years there were 9 to 7 a.m. And uh, the, four, the ratings came out. I picked up one point, I think, uh, between 7 and midnight. And uh, I was summoned to the, to the program director's office to... Uh, uh, be told that that was going to be my last shift. <laughs> so I said, oh, you know, the baby, our first baby was just born and uh, and uh, it was a, sort of a hard time. But then I, I went home and I got a call at um, about 8 p.m. that night and would you like to continue on midnight to dawn? I said, yes, I'll do that. <laughs> so I did it. <laughs> so I was, see, that's what you call lucky. <laughs> Indeed you do. Skyhooks or Sherbet? Uh, I liked uh, Sherbet. I enjoy that, yeah, because uh, I mean, you know, I think Sherbet is more my style. Because when we were uh, playing, uh, I remember Skyhooks, but that was basically on 3XY. I never, and, uh, and where I was, uh, we played Sherbet, played all the Sherbet songs. The Rolling Stones or the Beatles? Uh, I like the Rolling Stones. My first 45 that I bought was Satisfaction, and I still remember it from a, a little record store in um, Glen Ferry Road, Hawthorne. <laughs> so that was my first 45 I ever bought. George, do you have a most treasured piece of memorabilia from those early radio days? Well, I've got my letter from 7H show uh, to say that I've been appointed. And I got a, a letter from John McMahon, the great uh, program director at 3UZ, uh, confirming my appointment to 3UZ. I've still got that. So it was. Uh, I'll be treasuring those till uh, somebody takes them and sells them on eBay. <laughs> I don't know, but <laughs> or maybe not. The biggest news story that broke while you were on air: um, the Westgate Bridge came down, and uh, John Bailey, a news reader th- at Channel Nine, he he was the became the news editor at Three Z, and uh, and also that was one of the big stories. But the other one was in '75 when the Whitlam government was. Uh, toppled and Malcolm Fraser took over. George, the best words of advice from a program manager, but I think we might have already covered that one. Yeah, well, I've still got it written down and, and on my memory, safety in numbers. If you haven't got anything to say, just hit the next song. <laughs> Which is a nice segue into our last question. Two albums you consider to be the soundtrack of your teenage years. Well, I used to be um, at 3XY when, when I was learning to be a radio announcer, I used to like the 3XY format, which was sort of middle of the road. And I liked the uh, Herb Albert and the Tijuana Brass with, uh, with uh, what was it? What was Tijuana Taxi? And, uh, yeah, it was the other one, Whipped Cream and Other Delights. Yeah, that was one of my favourite albums. I, I used to enjoy listening to that one. And uh, I, I just uh, loved, loved all that type of music, the mariachi type music that 3XY were playing at the time. And uh, 
but uh, I, I actually bought Tijuana brass and uh, I've still got it somewhere <laughs> sitting around. Yeah, and that just about says it all, George. As we said at the start, a man for all formats who just loved broadcasting and really showed today. Hey, listen, thanks for joining us today on Pilots. Thank you very much, Paul. I, I just, uh, as I said to you, I'm the, I was probably the luckiest announcer in the world. George Danes on Pilots of the Airwaves.